3, episode 62 of the Pitch and Pine podcast, recorded Tuesday, September 29th, going down. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of the Pitch and Pine podcast. My name is Steven. You can find me at Six Goal on Twitter. Today, another special episode as the FBO Roundtable convenes after what I think we would all agree was a very poor weekend which did see some surprises on the pitch as many players were getting a little bit frisky with their hands and bars seemingly more of a hindrance than a help. Now, I can't speak for those of us joining today. Well, right now it's just Casey. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, when I look back on game week three, I had a small green arrow, but I think that's a huge victory. So uh, before we get into the FPL, let's say hello to Casey. Casey, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing pretty well. Um, no complaints. I think a uh, little more, little more zen about FPL this year, considering how much of a train wreck last year was. So, just kind of shrugging it off. That's kind of how I feel. And you know what? Sometimes that's not a bad thing. You shrug off one bad week, you get on, and um, we've got week four headed into the international break. And we'll get into some of these topics here. We are still expecting Gabe FPL Lins to join us. He's having some audio issues right now. But uh, you know what? Let's just go ahead and jump right in and yank that Band-Aid off. Let's look back on game week three. Do you even want to go over it? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It was it was weird. Like, I had five players return to my team, which usually is kind of my benchmark for if I do okay. Then I scored 40 points. So it's like, I don't know. It was just, it was just kind of – kind of odd um a lot of like five pointers from everybody and and so i don't know I just, it was, it was, it's really weird i don't know I, I don't know how to i don't know how to describe it so i haven't had a good captain pick in three game weeks and i'm still doing okay so well then i guess that tells me that you didn't start with solid this 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 season i didn't captain him i started with him, okay i haven't yeah all right and uh, we do have Gabe with us now. Gabe, good afternoon from L.A. How was your game week three? I, we're still doing that? We just started. <laughs> oh, come we're on. We're still doing that. <laughs> game week three was was a complete and utter disaster, like most everyone else's game week three. What do you want me to tell you? It was absolute madness, just an awful torture um, to the point where you just, like, you know that point where they say in, in drowning, where drowning is actually a nice way to go because it gets to a point where it's just like this beautiful fade away. That's where I got in, L- in FPL uh, this weekend. I died, and we'll see what happens. And hopefully you'll be revived in game week four. Well, I guess I'm the only one who can speak out of the four of us, even though Garf isn't here, that I finished on 51. I feel very fortunate to finish on 51. Um, I did wild card. Um, wasn't rather impressed with my final score though, but all things considered, I will I will take what I got. It was like a, I don't know, three hundred thousand green up. I captain Sala again, ten points. Uh, I brought in Grealish on the wild card for one week. He hit for eight points, so that was huge. And then Andre or, um, Andrew Robertson and Richarlison with Martinez 
in goal. So I'm not going to complain. Green Arrow, pleased with that. That's my first green of the season, and I put about 479, 480,000 in the season. So not impressive, but I think any green we get, we'll take. Is that correct? I think that's a pretty good rank through three weeks. I mean, that's pretty yeah. good, actually. Yeah, you're on the right track. You know, you talked about five players getting double digits. One of my, one of my weekly or, or season goals is to average 60 points a week. That seems like an average. Um, I'm at 187, so I'm still hitting that that target that I want. So I'm at about 62 and a half points or so a week. So I, I'm, well, I'm I'm not gonna not gonna have any complaints on that. Do you know Do you know I do the the, the five aside the FPL five aside thing? So I I almost beat my regular FPL team with my five aside score. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. 32 minus four is uh, not hard to beat. So. Not that I want to spend a lot of time on this topic, but VAR handballs in the IBAF, where do we stand on on what we're seeing on the pitch? I know there's a lot of people who don't want to talk about it, but let's just touch on it for a minute or two. Um, do, do you agree? I mean, obviously it played played some um, it played a it played a role in the in the games we saw this weekend. Three different games, two managers come out and speak highly or or speak speak about it in, in uh, Hodgson and Steve Bruce. I, I mean, something has to change. Don't you agree? You can go ahead, Casey, step into these waters first if you want. And before, um, I might want to warm the, the crowd up first. When was the last time the British did something well? Like period, like Brexit, co- coronavirus, VAR implementation, <laughs> parliament. I mean, just go down the list. I mean, they're they're just they're bad at just about everything. I mean, the United States is bad at about everything too. So I mean, we can recognize it uh, pretty well. But uh, yeah, I mean, no other league has this kind of clown show. I mean, they have terrible officials in the league, and then they decided they were going to try to make the league a little bit better by implementing VAR. But then implementing VAR like considerably worse than every other league implemented VAR. And now they're just like, you know what? Let's just make it so everything's a handball which is not in the spirit of the game, of course. Um, but it is more black and white. So, I mean, when you have such bad referees, you have to implement pick the red circle or pick the blue circle. Yeah. That's the only thing that the, the referees can possibly handle because they have no idea about the game. They don't understand the game. And so you leave yourself in a pickle. I don't know. It's, it, it is a lot more objective now than it was which is a good thing because when you looked at how they did it last year it was just like well does the ref like the team because it kind of felt like that last year was like well it was man united so maybe it's a penalty this year at least it's like a little bit more egalitarian so i don't know it's 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 a it's a it's a clusterfuck i guess so i i don't know if there's anything i don't say i don't think it's a good thing or a bad thing i think it's just a mess of a situation that they just can't find their way out of it's it's a it's a self-created mess though i mean it's yeah there's it doesn't have to be a mess but they've turned it into a mess i'm just i'm thinking you know so now if a it kind of like it's just standard practice i'm thinking from a coach's perspective right and you teach your players to defend differently in the box in the box you tuck your arms that's just that's what you do that's how you defend so to say like oh it's not really fair and people are aiming for for the arms 
I grew up with people aiming for the arm. That's just, that's what you do as a striker. Like, yep. why are we complaining about these situations that are just part of the game? Defend properly. Put your arm next, stuck to your body. And that's why, um, what was it? Um, there was <laughs> Liverpool's third goal, right? Uh, Jota, Diogo Jota. Tucks his arm into his body. Questionable, it hit his belly. It might have hit his arm. But his arms are tucked in, so it's not a handball. If his arms are out, it makes his body bigger. And it hits his, I mean, it's, that's always been the rule. So I don't understand why now people are complaining and saying that, oh, we're, it's ruining the game or football is dead. It's like, I, this, is fo- this is football. Like there's a rule there and you, and you try to adjust your technique, right? So you don't have any weaknesses. And then the opponent tries to exploit weaknesses in the rules and exploit weaknesses in you. And that's football. So what are we complaining about? You look at Dyer's handball. I mean, his back is to the play. He's jumping up. His hands just happen to be out. He's not even. I don't even. No, that wasn't. That, those were not natural positions for his hands to be in. First of all, you never defend that way. If no, you yeah, see a defender defending, defending like that in no, training, show. what do you do when you jump? You put. Yeah, but you don't have your arms out like no, like your spread okay. eagle flying. It's so. This is the no, one thing I arms, think. So, so when you jump, just answer Stephen's questions really quick. You tuck your arms in. So you, you get that impulse up, but instead of continuing your arm past your head, All you right, stop I, it here. That that's just this is, but it's, this is just basic. Yeah, coaching. I, I tend to agree with Gabe. I think okay. if you're defending a shot and your arms are at your side and it hits your arm, it's not a handball. It's it doesn't not matter where it hits on Agreed. your arm. If your arm Agreed. is, if if there's basically no daylight between your arms and your body and it hits it. So for, for example. Everton Crystal Palace had three handball reviews. One was given as a penalty. It was the only one where the hands were way out from the body. Oh, and the other right. two were not penalties because their hands were tucked, their arms were tucked. It gets a little bit, a little bit more less black and white when there's jumping involved, if it's going up for a handball. But I think if the if the arms are within the frame of the body, even if they're out from the body a little bit, as long as they're within the frame of the body, I don't think it's a handball. But right. what Dyer was doing was it almost looked intentional. I don't know. It, so it, I, I think it, it was intentional, and you know that, but, but it, there, was, there was one, I didn't notice a shove. There was an, allegedly um, LaSalle shoved, uh, shoved Dyer a little bit. So that, I think, cast him down. Yeah, it's, it's tough. But his arms were absolutely not in a natural position mm-hmm. for jumping, for really anything defensive. I mean, it's, it's a handball. I don't care if you're looking at the ball or not. If your arms are in an unnatural position, making your body larger than it would have been and not making a natural motion, which none of those things apply to what Dyer was doing. And I'm going to, like, as a striker, I'm going to aim for that arm that's sticking out every single time. You better believe it. And as a defender, I'm going to pretend it was an accident every single time as I look over my shoulder and make it look like it's not an accident. So, well, and you're familiar with watching this too, aren't you? La Liga has had this implementation of the bar rule for two, two years, three years now? Yeah, and, and, and in fairness, the first year was a bit of a disaster. It yeah, was, yeah it, it, was, it was controversial. It was a shit show. Um, and I think the bigger clubs are favored like not obviously not intentionally. I think if you go back... Well, they like, just spend more time in the opposing team's box too. Well, there's that as well, but but there's also like this thing in the back of like this of, of referees' minds where they say, look, if I call this against Real Madrid, for example, the onslaught that that person is going to you know experience, and they know that, and it's yeah. like this this instinctual like I'm just going to call it the other way, even if it's not intentional or uh, conscious. 
Well, we saw this, in, this was the implementation in the World Cup as well. And the defenders adapted. In the, in the group stages, you saw yeah. a lot of penalties. And by the knockout stages, the defenders knew what they needed to do in the box. And all, all of a sudden, the pen, penalties went way down. It's not that the, the attackers did anything different. No. The defenders adapted. All right. I, I don't know. It was, right. uh, I, I, th I think the defenders need to figure out how to defend properly in the box. Otherwise, they're going to give up penalties. That's the way it's always been, and that's the way it is now. Dyer jumped like a great midfielder there to, to block that ball. That's how you jump in midfield. It's great. It'll be interesting as we uh, go on with the season to see see how bar handles the replays, how handballs go, if the referees actually make a change, or we just can continue on with the, uh, the status quo. So let's keep rolling here. Um, another topic I put on here, best midfielder for $7 million or less, sometimes can be seen as your fourth, possibly fifth, if you're playing a three-five-two, potentially, um, we've had some 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 not so familiar names making um, the list here. But uh, Gabe, start us off. You got seven million. Who do you look at for maybe the upcoming two or three weeks on uh, each side me, of the break? Yeah, give me one second while I bring up. Um... So, what price range? Seven million or less. Seven million or less. Seven million or less. Um, so just, just some players like the eye test for me, um, Trossard has really impressed. Um, he, he's somebody that, that I'm looking at in that price range. Um, let's see, 7 million or less. And any position or just midfielder? Just midfielders right now. Just midfielders. Um, I think, uh, I think Zaha, Zaha is over 7 million. 7.1. 7.1. Damn well. Zaha, as long as he, he continues to play out of position, um, I think I think he's an option. At some uh, point, I, one, do you take him with Batshuayi if Batshuayi is starting up front as well? If it, if it's both of them start, it, I'd have to see it. I think I'd have to see it because it, well, when Zaha went off two years ago, he was playing in a two-man front with Batshuayi. <laughs> And that's how I mean it was it was it worked pretty well. But yeah, it's it's really is does Batchelai come on in place of like a Townsend or does he come on in place of um um oh who's the other who's the striker? It basically does it force Zaha. Yeah, does he come on for IU and basically Zaha stays up front, or does he come on for for someone else? Um, so far, based on what we've seen so far, uh, at least in, in their last game, um, it seems he's going to stay up front. So I think he's he's a great option, but he's 7.1. I mean, I think sub-7, it's still Foden, especially now um, with with the uh, with the injuries, right, uh, to, uh, to Jesus and Aguero. Uh, he's he's kind of a, a lock, a lock in my team. Um the other ones, I, I'm looking like, I think uh, Mateus Pereira, he's really interesting and he's fun to watch. He passes the eye test, but he's, he's kind of severely overperforming his stats. Um, he also plays on the, arguably the worst or second worst team in the league. And so that's, yeah. that's how you, you know, do you take a really good player on a really bad team? And we've had that issue in the past where you take a really good player on a bad team and it just isn't good. Yeah. Casey, who do you take, seven million or less? Um it really depends on what you want to do with the rest of your team, to be honest. Because I, I honestly wouldn't have any problem with someone bringing in 
Suchek and playing him as their 11th player every yeah. single week. Because it doesn't really matter the fixture. It doesn't matter. You don't have to worry about rotation because it's just all about set pieces and, and that kind of stuff. And he gets his head on everything. He's going to have like three or four shot attempts a, a game every single week. And he'll probably score like one every three or one every four games. And at the price point as a set and forget, that's fine. And so I guess it really just depends on what you want to do. Is this a player that, you know, do you want to structure your team so you have like three premium midfielders and then your fourth midfielder is just like 5 million? I mean, you could do that. Or if you're going to spread the cash a little more evenly, I think, yeah, I think um, it's probably Foden. And, and I think also if you can wait a little bit, um, what am I looking at here? Uh, till game week six, maybe. Uh, I like Grealish. I think Grealish is about to go on a tear. Um, just well, he's got, he's actually he's got actual players around him now that can finish yeah. off the chances he creates. I think he's interesting. Um, and I think I think what you said about Trossard was interesting too. I really like him as a pick. The problem with him was last year Potter decided that he only wanted to play him sometimes and not all the time. But if he's nailed down to play and start every week, I don't think you can do much better than Trossard in that bracket. So yeah, the two I'm really nervous because Potter just is he's a mad scientist. Yeah, the two I'm looking at, I like I said, I picked up Grealish in the wild card. It was a solid move, eight points. I can take that. But I, I'm looking at at that seven million bracket as being my fourth starter in a three uh three, what was I playing? Uh oh four what was that? A four, three, three. Four, three, three. Yeah, so this week Grealish is gonna come out, make way for either Barnes or if we get better news on uh, James uh, Madison. I'll definitely bring Madison in seven. He's on set pieces. He's sort of that engine for Lester that's that makes him go seven million right now. Even Mason Mount six nine. Either of those two guys, I've kept an eye on Trossard. And through three games, Brighton's got some very good offensive stats. Um, you know, nothing you can argue with. But uh, Barnes was a name on my list for the next two weeks. But given that Madison came in for twenty some odd minutes, picked up a goal. I, I mean, I made. Skip Barnes go right to Madison, but we'll have to see how that plays out this week. Um, so I was the only one who wildcarded for ahead of game week three, which has been my standard here now three years in a row. Intentions on the wild card uh, before or after the international break? I'm well, which this international break? Do you have any intentions this week or immediately following? the international break. And I know some of that's contingent on injuries and what happens during the break. But right now, game week four, game week five. So uh, right now for me, it's a no. I, I don't, I don't feel the need to wild card um, despite my, <laughs> my, my, my rank. But I, I think for me, it'll depend on, on probably mostly on the transfer window. Um, I, I was reading an article today that uh, there was in the athletic, they were talking about managers during preseason and it's different now because it's during season. So it's hard to kind of showcase your needs. They showcase their needs to, you know, if, if the, there's a game that's televised, right. And the, and the team doesn't score any goals, then the, the chairman's going to come. They, they told this story of a chairman that came and just like a brand new striker, all of a sudden he shelled out, I don't know how many million of his own money just to buy a striker because the fans were clamoring because they didn't score any goals in a preseason game. So whatever's going on right now, you, I think, I think there's a lot of fires in the, in the uh, kind of, in the top managerial offices around the league. And there will be a lot, several purchases. So 
So that could cause me to to hit it. Um, but I have no plans. AC, thoughts on your wild card? Well, I promised myself going into the season that I would wild card earlier because I've never done it earlier than like game week 13. Um, and that's usually right before the, the festive period, right? 13, 12, yeah. 14, somewhere in there. Yeah. That's where I've, that's where I've wild carded in the past. But it, last year I noticed that not playing the wild card and, and not being happy with my team forced me to do a lot of silly rash things. It didn't work. Um, and that basically ruined my season. So, I mean, I think I basically dug my hole in the first 10 or 15 game weeks and I never could climb out of it. So, you know, I'm off to an okay start, not great, but not bad. And, but I'm starting to get that. I have a lot of, I have a lot of problems in my team right now. I actually, I currently actually have four, three or four players that may not play this week in my team. And so I don't think I want a wild card this week. I think I'll probably just try to do two transfers for and take my first hit of the season and just, you know, have a couple of players with one pointers come in off the bench or something if I need to, which stinks. But I think if I still have those fires going into the, the international break, I think it's a good time to play it. Um, you're going to have players coming back to full health. I fully expect Ziyech and Pulisic to be fully fit after the break, um, which could make Chelsea an actual option like we thought they would be to start the season. Um, you, it, you know, we could have some big moves. We could have some big injuries of players playing internationally. We could have some COVID conundrums. No, please. Let's not have any of that again. You know, so anyways, there's, there are, you know, having international fixtures during a pandemic is the dumbest thing that's ever been done, but whatever. Um, <laughs> It, it, I think it's a great time. I think the international break is an amazing time to play it. I think, and I know all the people that are thinking, oh, we might get a game week 19. Um, we might get a game week 19 double game week, which I think 18 or 19 is when the double game weeks are supposed to, the first double game weeks are supposed to be. Well, you have to use your game, wild card by game week 16. So even then, you're wild carding like three game weeks before a double game week. That's not really a good – in years past, that's never been a good time to wild card. You usually have way too many fires from your team to go ahead with your plan, um, wild carding that far out. So I feel like people wild carding in game week 15 or 16 this year are going to find themselves actually worse off. And a lot of other people – a lot of, some people could turn around and say, wild card game week 5, wild card game week 17, and be in a better position all around you know, for the double game weeks and, and up until then. So I don't know. I have a lot of fires in my team. And I think if those continue to, to be the case, I'll, I will be wild carding over the international break. All right. Yeah. I, uh, like I said, I did it this week. I had some fires, had some injuries, and there were also a few players I wanted who started performing well first couple of weeks of the season. Maybe it was a little knee jerk, but it definitely didn't have anything to do with what I saw on Twitter. Um, decision solely mine. And I don't know if week three for some reason feels right. I don't know why. I was hoping to hold it until about 13 or 14 right ahead of the uh, the festive period, but that didn't happen. And it's probably going to be the next eight to 10 weeks to figure out if it's actually going to be successful for me. So speaking of successful, let's talk about captain failure. Has anybody had captain failure on their team any of these weeks? 
I just had one. Uh, yeah, my first one. I so last season was was horror show for me for for captains. Um, and I, I hit the first two fine. Obama Yang first week and Richarlison week two. Um, week three, it was I guess pretty much everybody, <laughs> almost everyone blanked except for hashtag always Captain Salah and uh, and a few others. Um, but I, I captained uh, Timo Werner. Uh, no regrets. It, it made sense. I, I knew it was a risk as well. Um, you know, but you know, what are you going to do? One thing um, I had actually, before I forget, I want to go back and ask Casey, Casey, are you taking a hit this week and a potentially wild carding next week? Yeah. Can you get by without taking a hit? Mm, I'll be taking zeros. So yeah. it really is. And it really is like if the player scores, five it pays off like it's not mm. the player having to score like seven or eight if they basically score five the hit plays right. off right. so yeah i've got three injured players and i've got one player who uh and i have one player who got completely bombed out of the squad um reed at, at fulham who's you know he was kind of my two-point hero bench spot yeah. so yeah, yeah. I was just. just I, will be, I will be taking a hit for sure, yeah. um, and it will basically as long as one of the two players scores like four or five points, then it'll pay off. So yeah. it is that kind of. I mean, you know, now if I were to risk it and take a minus eight, then that would be a little different. But sure. um, as it is, I'm still probably starting like Egan versus Arsenal, and so you know, it's already a bad a bad I'm already in a bad place there with my 11th player and so I might have I might have to field some zeros if I don't take a hit so Absolutely. yeah not great yes. sorry to veer us from the, the captain oh. just uh, kind of popped in my head there. yeah no um, but, but as far as captains yeah I mean I've had I feel like I mean I captained Abba the first two weeks and got seven and five and then I captained KDB this week and got two hmm. I don't feel like it was the wrong decision to captain KDB this week I mean he had a assist ruled out for offside. He had a couple of other just free headers that he created that, you know, weren't put away. And, you know, he could have easily had two assists and some bonus points, even in a loss. So mm -hmm. I'm not really worried about that, but the rest of my team's actually been picking up the slack. So I feel like I have a strong squad, even if I haven't picked the, you know, I, I got, I mean, I had a, you know, green arrows, I guess, are really good game weeks, right around 1 million game rate rank in both week one and week two with captain failures, more or less. And I'm only a small red arrow in game week three with a captain failure. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a strong squad with that, with just bad captain decisions. I think I'll get one right just by luck eventually. See, and I think my captain performance, I, my, my total points look good for my captains, 56, but we got to remember that 40 of those points came from Mo Salah in week one. So a little yeah. overinflated. I did, I, I've captained, captained him all three weeks, and the intentions are to captain him all 38 weeks. I'm not going to move off him. It's one less decision I have to make on the season, which is a good thing because you overthink things, and it's like, no, KDB's got a stronger fixture. Let's captain KDB, and then it's Salah that hits. It's like who do we who do we play? Do we play Mo Salah? Do we play Sadio Mane? Nope. So right now, unless something drastically changes, I'm on Salah for every week this season. It's one less decision. We know he can play. We know he can play against the big teams. So he's my he's my captain all 38 weeks. So 56 points over three weeks. 
I'm, I'll take that. I'll take that every day. I might try to do something similar, but maybe with KDB. All right, let's move on. Um, give me a positive takeaway from the first three weeks of gameplay. Positive takeaway. Hmm. They're behind us. <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Does does the first three weeks of gameplay give you any indication as to the direction you want to go with some of your transfers in the next couple of weeks? I mean, case in point, Chelsea. Do we really know how good Chelsea is? I don't think we do. They've had the injuries. They've had people. You know, why, why they have? I, I know Aspilicueta picked up an injury and is, is still working his way back. But to see him on the bench is seems to be madness. Um, I mean, he captained that team all last year, and here he is on the bench, and it, it's just uh, that's just one. Timo Werner. I mean, he's had some 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 good games, but came up with zeros. So, do we think we've seen the best of Chelsea yet? For example, after three weeks mm. of play. Or we can look on the other end. Everton, is this really the Everton team we're going to see for 38 weeks? So, so I, I think um, I think Everton is is legit. Uh, they've shown, I think, three game weeks. Even even when they played poorly for for one half, um, they they weren't pathetic. I guess they still had you know some kind of command. Uh, so I think Everton is legit. I think United is a question mark. Uh, they're, they outperformed their stats last season. Um, this season, I, I, I feel like I don't know which what who United is. Um, I think Spurs right now. I, I think Spurs is changing. Who, who knows into what? I don't know what they're. I don't know if they'll come out better after this change or they'll come out worse. I, I'm not sure, but I think they're in a state of flux right now. And I, I think Spurs is kind of on the level of Palace. Um, in terms of both attack and defense, uh, to be to be honest, I was I sent somebody their um, their defensive stats the other day, <clears throat> sorry yesterday, and they are r like ridiculously similar. Uh, Palace and Spurs. Um, who else? Chelsea. I don't think we've seen Chelsea yet. We know that Chelsea has an awful manager and amazing players. <laughs> so um, go figure. Who knows how that one's going to work out? Um, I don't know, Casey, do you have any to add there, anything to add? I, I think you're, you're spot on. I think, you know, who are the teams we trust? I think that's, I think that's where we need to start. So right. I think you can trust, you can trust Liverpool. We know who they are. We know they're good. We know that they kind of are still in party mode on occasions, but they kind of look like they're getting back to being focused again. But they're 3-1 good, right? Three one yeah. two one. They're, they're not a good or nil. They're still good, and they're so good. we can trust. I think we can trust them. City, we can trust City. I know yeah. that they. This is what they were last year. They were amazing for thirty weeks and garbage for eight weeks, and they just kind of randomly did it eight times, and that's why they didn't win the league. Um, it's the same thing now they, they had that bad week now but do you really think that they're going to do that like four game weeks in a row or three game weeks in a row or even two game weeks in a row it nope. seems unlikely and i know that they don't have a striker which is a problem um and they're going to figure out how to play without one um but they play leave this week so it really doesn't matter 
Um, I think and that might be a trap game, but we can get to that later. Maybe. I don't know. Leeds, I mean, Leeds, Leeds are going to press. Best, best defense in the championship last season. Yeah, they played a high press, and that's that's why. They played the their they played their matches in the opposing team's half by winning the ball high. If you break mm-hmm. down the press, you score goals. Just look how it was easy it was for Liverpool. I mean, even Fulham did it. I, I don't know. I think I think it's a game set up for City to break their press, and they're going to concede, but I think they'll be cool. Yeah, they will concede. Um, Wolves, so I, I trust Wolves. I I know they had a bad, really bad performance, but they're not considerably different team than they were. Now, they, they're missing both of their starting fullbacks, which is a problem. Um, but they're a really strong squad, and they have a really good manager. Wait, Semedo is out? Oh, from last year. Doherty and... Oh, oh I see. That's Doherty right. and... Um, and um, uh, Johnny. Johnny, 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 yeah. Johnny Otto. I mean, that's obviously a problem because they really relied on them, and it's going to take Semedo yeah. some time yeah. to, you know, adapt. And but they have a really good. I mean, imagine if Nuno was was managing Chelsea. Chelsea would maybe win the league. I mean, <laughs> you know, they have a really good manager, oh, and they no, have, they wouldn't. They don't have enough Portuguese on their team. <laughs> oh, true. They wouldn't know what to do. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, <laughs> you're, not, you're like, not Portuguese. Who are these? Who are these players? Why are they speaking English? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that that yeah. But I mean, anyways, he's a good manager, and I think they'll get it sorted. And I'm not particularly worried about them. I think that was a blip. They had a couple of games like that last year where they just didn't get into gear for whatever reason. Um, I don't know. Um, I think, and I think you're right. I think we can trust Everton. Um, they have one of the best managers in the world. They have one of the best managers who's ever managed in the game. The only manager who's won the league in four different leagues, four of the five European leagues he's won the league in. Not saying that Everton are going to finish top four, but you know they're going to be right in the mix for sixth, I think. And, and uh, Carlo Ancelotti is the Ibrahimovic of managers. Truly. <laughs> um, so, but anyways, they're going to be right in the mix for six. And then the way at their price points, you know, Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, all those, you know. I Actually, I think um, a, a player that has really interests me that I haven't brought myself to bring in, but uh, is I, I still think Hamas, a lot of people are still on the fence. He kind of reminds me from an FPL standpoint, not from an in, in real life standpoint, yeah. but from an FPL standpoint of Hazard, um, where you don't know when he's going to get his points. Mm. But at the end of the year, you're going to look up, he's going to have 200 points. I think he, I truly do. I think he's going to, at the end of the year, he's going to have 200 FPL points. And they're just going to come randomly. And they're not going to be pre- able to predict them because he's so good in real life. But, you know, just the by nature of his positioning and what he does, it's just, it's, it's he's not like always or in and around the box and not always. I haven't even considered re- removing him. I, that's a. Uh... So. And he's not a captain, you know, he's not a captain option, blah, blah, blah. but he's 7.7 million. He's like having Hazard, who was 10 million, mm-hmm. who's going to get similar points to Hazard, I think. But he's also not someone you'd trust the captain. But you just stick him in your team and you forget him yeah. right there. And then he's going to, you might have two or three blinks in a row and then follow it up with 12, 15, 13, 7, mm-hmm. and then five more blinks in a row, but then all of a sudden pop up with, 15 again. I mean, he's just, you know, I think he's just going to be like that. And I'm not, I'm not worried about him. So 
So anyways, I think those are the, those are the teams I trust. The te- I think you're right, though. The teams I don't trust, absolutely do not trust, are Leicester. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just imagine, if they didn't have Jamie Vardy, they would maybe be a relegation candidate team. Like, <laughs> it's truly the case. He's, he's that important to them. Mm-hmm. He scored 24 goals last year. How many goals did they score as a team? 40? 45? He scored over half of their goals last year. And they don't play the same without him. Um, and Brendan Rodgers is, is the Frank Lampard of, of, uh, of the, of, uh, of, of the, of the other blue side, I guess. But yeah, he, he, I just, he's not a great manager. Um, they're set up to play against Man City. Sure. Absolutely. They're really good at the counterattack. They're re- Jamie Vardy is really good at scoring three goals with three touches in the box. He's just good at trolling expectations. Like whatever the, yes, the expectations are against him, well then he's gonna change. He's got five. Maybe. He's got five goals from. He's got five goals and I think only three shots from open play. <laughs> <laughs> three. He's got three shots and five goals if you don't count. Pen, I mean, obviously you can't penalties, but he's got he's got four penalties, four penalties, three open play shots, five goals. I mean, that's not. I don't care. They, they, they weren't. Those weren't handball penalties either. Those are no. Those, they weren't, and he won them, and and he obviously yeah. won them, and they were obvious penalties. But if you think of a sustainability, maybe maybe it's sustainable. Last year he did this. He was really good for like ten weeks, and then he was really bad for about twenty eight weeks. So yeah, they're not they're not going to play City every week. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really tough. It's really tough, and you know he's thirty three now. And he said, and he says he's got an ongoing hit problem. He looks like an old man walking up pitch every day. I, I don't six know. Attempts, six attempts, all on the box, five big chances, five goals, with an eighty-three percent. Uh, yeah, five big chances, but four of the five, four of the five were penalties. Four of the five big chances are penalties. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, he, he's. He's just, I don't know, it's interesting. They're playing, they're playing a hell of a game here because if they don't have him, who do they start up top? AOZ Perez? Harvey Barnes? I mean, Ianacho maybe, yeah, but Ianacho has always looked better, you know, out wide. Okay, I don't know. So, so if we can't trust Vardy and maybe the attack going forward to be consistent, what do we think about Castagna and Justin? I know I was against him to start the season. I know we were talking Luke Thomas in our, our previous pod before the season. Now Luke Thomas doesn't start. Justin, 17 points. He's increased not two or um, point two, And then Castagna has gone up point two as well, 27 points, uh, just after three weeks with uh, three assists and a, uh, one goal scored. Castagna is a really good player. They're- they're, he's a great signing. Lester, Lester are good at making those kind of signings. Ndidi, um, Soyuncu, they, 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 they bought well. They, do, I, you, do you trust their defense, though? Do you trust Schmeichel? Do you trust the defense? Or are we going to see something like we were talking about Liverpool, a 3-1 victory, a, a 4-1 victory, a 4-2 victory? Um, I might trust their defense more than the attack. Okay. Long term, I think, I and mean, they, they got some injuries now. And Didi out is a uh, not not great, but maybe long term, maybe come the fixture pile up or something like that. I, I think I think Castagna will be really interesting if if and when Pereira is fully healthy, and they're both just bombing and bombing each wing. Um, although his his stats right now are um, 
So he has the uh, third highest expected goal involvement of, of all defenders uh, at uh, 0.89. Andrew Robertson is the second highest. I bet you can't guess the top one. The he highest. Told me, so I won't say. Uh, he told do you know? Me. Yeah, oh. Michael Keane. Michael yeah. Keane. Oh, yeah, we, we talked about that. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, we talked about that. So, um, so, so I think Castagna is. I think for me, given the way Leicester's unreliability and they're certainly their, their defensive unreliability, I, th I think Castagna is a wait and see, but I definitely want him as soon as Ndidi's back. And it could be really exciting. Leicester could be really exciting with the yeah, so and Castagna. You think he and just Ndidi plays left wing then? Or I mean, left, left, left back? Castagna, yeah, Castagna will move to the left. Okay. And indeed, he's gone till the middle, end of December, I think, with that groin injury, if I recall. Yeah. And, yeah, it's and I think their fixtures long. turn, is that right? Um, in, in about, in a few weeks, their fixtures turn, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, they, or, I mean, they've, they've got Arsenal in six, Liverpool in nine, and that's really that's it. Through, so yeah, I mean, that's really it through, shit, early February. Oh, wow. So, I mean, their fixtures aren't too terrible. Hmm. All right, so we, we touched a little bit. Uh, we already touched on Everton. I don't think we'll go over them again unless Casey has something he wants to wants to talk about here. Um, biggest surprises of the season so far? Do we have any? Dominic Calvert-Lewin? I don't want to say he's a huge surprise. I think last year I called him for 10 goals, 10 assists. He came up short, but he looked a hell of a lot better than he was the previous season. And, and now this year he's... You know, he's making good with, with a new coach in there and some uh, upgraded midfielders. So he's been my big surprise through three weeks. Um, anybody else? Any other surprises through three weeks? What do you think, Casey? Um, well, I mean, I, I am surprised with how good Everton is. I thought we'd be better. I didn't realize that we'd be, like, legit. I think odds on. I think we're favorites for top six now. Um if we stay healthy. I mean, we, I think we've gelled. So that, that's a bit of a surprise. I thought maybe we'd be like a seventh or eighth place team. We definitely look like a fifth or sixth place team. Um, so that, that is surprising. Um, Dominic Howell-Lewin doesn't surprise me. I started with him for a reason. I thought he was going to score 15 to 20 goals this year. Um, and I mean, obviously five goals and three is overperforming, but that, you know, that'll level out, but yeah. Um, I don't really have any, I think we're just kind of caught in the variance still. Um, I'm not really surprised by a whole lot. Um, no, not really. I, I kind of, I think it's what we expected. We expected Spurs to be kind of not great. We, I, I expected Man United not to be great. Um, Chelsea, you know, I knew it was going to take some time to gel, but they don't even have the players that they brought in healthy right now. So, you know, I think they'll end up being good, but. I think that was our mis my mistake, or and a lot of people's mistake, was just not giving them a little bit of time, getting really hyped at the beginning, and then just not giving them, like, three or four weeks just to see how it went. Especially when there were some news of, like, Pulisic's injury and Diaz's injury. But no, nothing's really surprised me so far. Um, Any I think there's a lot we just can't tell right now either. Right. I I agreed. Agreed. Um... Any thoughts on where all the clean sheets are? We've had just 12 after three weeks of gameplay. I forgot to go back to last year and see. It wasn't really last year either, but then come like game yeah. five or six, we were 
there were a lot of clean sheets. Yeah, it, it started to sort of pan out. And, you know, I, I know I went in on, on, again, City and Liverpool because we can rely on them. And they were terrible to start the year, giving up one one goal here, one goal there. And, you know, that six points that you have going into the 80th minute suddenly turns to two points because they give up a goal. But um, I, I'm, I've been a little little frustrated, especially with my five-a-side team, because I'm, I'm counting on those clean sheets. And right now, they're not killing me as much as not owning Sala, which, you know, that was a mistake from week one. But trouble Liverpool, I mean, what, what, what can you do? But uh, I'm... I guess I shouldn't be as surprised as I am that we're not seeing the amount of clean sheets. Um, we look at how bad West Brom and Leeds are on defense as well as Fulham, but yet, I mean, they come out and they, they're they putting goals in the back of the net. I, I think, I think uh, defense, the way, the way defense is trained, they, they need time. They, they need time to connect as, as a back line, they need time even to connect as like in terms of rotation. Uh, how different substitutes will give them different things. Um, so I think a lack of a preseason is kind of responsible yeah, for the for the lack of clean sheets. Well, and a lot of play, a lot of teams don't even have their first choice back line in yet, healthy and right. or you know transfer wise. Like City was playing two center backs that I don't expect to be n- neither of them. Well, one of them I think is going to be sold this year or in the next week, Garcia, and then. Um, you know, Ake is absolutely the backup. Um, you know, he's they, they will start. They will have a center back pairing of Laporte and I guess who they just who they who they just bring in. They just brought Ruben in Diaz. Back. Yeah, Diaz. So I think eventually that's the plan is to have those two. Um, so I, I I mean, there's just there's just you know, Leicester just got their two starting center backs for this last match. Because obviously Johnny Evans got you know hell of a red card game week 38, um, so I, I don't know. It's it's all right. Well, it's just gonna take time. All right. So uh, last question I have here, Ryan Brewster, do you buy him at 4.5 if he moves to Villa? We saw what Greenwood did last year, scored 10. Move to, it's uh it's um not Villa, Sheffield. Oh, sorry, Sheffield. Yes, sorry, my mistake. He makes Sheffield better by joining that club, 4.5. Again, I, I was going to say we saw what Greenwood did last year with uh, United, 10 goals and an assist and just about 1,300 minutes of play. Do, do, we, do, do we see Brewster or do we know enough about him to see if he has that sort of impact on a, a team like Sheffield United? Or is it a wait and see? Do we think he starts right away? He's just going to take McBurney's spot? Uh... I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about Sheffield. I only, Go ahead. I just said Sheffield would be the only team in the league where I don't see how they're going to score goals, like a goal, a single goal. Have they scored a goal yet? Maybe. Yeah, I think Lundstrom has a goal, doesn't he? No, maybe not. Uh, well, he had one in the cup or something like no, that. No, they don't have a goal this season. Yeah, so three matches, zero goal. That's uh, pretty bad. They, they will buy someone for sure. Yeah. But McBurney was a, is a favorite of the owners. Uh, he talked him up last last season. He yeah, talked I'm him up. Of. What's that? If he wants to get relegated, then great. But sure. <laughs> yeah, they're bad. They're really bad. Yeah. Um, but but if but if but if Brewster becomes a if he if he's nailed if he becomes a starter absolutely four point five. You can set up your team so he he could be your first auto first bench like you don't even yeah. have to start him. But he takes he takes a very valuable forward spot right. 
that well there's the real question that we have is you know do we the, i guess the real question is is do you want to play four defenders or five, have maybe five midfielders you know and only play two strikers where what we've seen so far is actually the forward line has been some of the best value in the game yeah. so far which is opposite to really the last two or three years it's been probably three or four years since there's been that kind of value in the forward line so as a, I mean, when you've got players like Jimenez and Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison and Ings, um, you know, and then you have these really cheap forwards like Bamford, who might be a flash in the pan or not, but Antonio at 6.4 or something like that, when their fixtures change, I mean, you're, there's a lot of forwards that I didn't think so. I'm, I've never been a play. I've never played a three four three until this is the first year I've ever started with a three four three or even, you know, played it regularly. Um, I'm not a fan of the forwards um, just because they don't get as many points, you know, for goal actions. But with all the penalties and how reliable some of the options are, like Ings and Jimenez, they're just, you know, they're gonna if they blink two game weeks in a row, I'd be shocked. I mean, for both of them. So I. They're just so dependable. So it's tough. It, it really depends on your team structure. Um, and it depends on if you want like a Bruno in your team. Do you really, really want Bruno and Sala and KDB? And if you would do that, then you'd probably have to have a player like Brewster in your team. So. Nah. All right. Last segment here. Hot takes 30 seconds for each player. I'll give you guys a name. You give me yes or no. Do you want him? Do you not want him? Raul Jimenez, our Mexican. Yes. Absolutely. And yeah. Okay. Uh, how about Wood from Burnley? Yes or no? No, not for me. Not even. Not a consideration. I I just think there's better forwards out there. I mean, yeah. he's, he's he's good for his value, but no. I prefer Che. I prefer Watkins. Um, I don't prefer oh, I don't Patrick Pookie Bamford though. Antonio, I think. Antonio. We, we talk about Neil Mape. We're both we're all in on Mape at Brighton. Three goals and an assist through three, six five. Yeah. Yep. I and like Mape. Really, and Casey, you just mentioned this one. Patrick Bamford flash in the pan through three weeks. He was notorious for not finishing last year, but he maybe he's getting a little bit of luck this year with uh Leeds scoring as early as they are. Five five. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot there's years of data for Patrick Bamford like it's not just one year there's like many many years of data of him being not only an, a below average finisher by even championship standards he was a below average finisher so this this definitely feels like um, uh, a bit of variance and and not what you're gonna see long term so no no right, Gabe any thoughts okay. Pookie. Patrick, Patrick Pookie Bamford. Patrick Pookie Bamford. Let's let's move uh, up to the midfielder, and I I mentioned him a little bit ago, James Madison. Not for me, but I think he's a fine pick. But I I won't I won't own him. <laughs> yeah, he's a no for me. I I don't even th I don't even rate him that much, honestly. Jack Grealish, and I I know we were pretty positive about him earlier in the show. We like him out of the break. We like him out of yeah, Grealish out of the break. I, I just I see Villa evolving in, in a really good direction. I think Watkins adds adds a, a new dimension to them. Um they, they finally have, you know, dangerous people up front. 
think they found a way to use Konza and Mings as targets on set pieces that Grealish is taking. So yeah, I think I think Grealish is is, is going to be a really great pick for a certain period of time. Yeah, I think he's a good pick too. Um, there's a lot, of, obviously, a lot of other options. Um, you know, if you go up a little bit more expensive, that I'd prefer. But if you just can't reach all the way up to Hamez or you know somewhere in that eight eight five, then yeah, I think Grealish is great. Wilf Zaha, 7.1. If he stays up top after we see uh, Batsman in there, Batshuayi, then absolutely. I think he'd, he'd be a fun pick to own playing up top like that for Palace. I want to see him play well for like two to three weeks after the transfer window closes before I'm sold on him. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's done this many times in the past. He plays really, really good during the transfer window when it's open, and he's really, really bad the rest of the time. So he's 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 got some serious motivation issues. Yeah, he does. Uh, we talked about Matthias Perea maybe punching above his weight at West Brom, but uh, do you like him at $6 million as maybe a fifth if you're in a 3-5-2? Not for me at $6 million. Uh, I'd rather go in a different direction, even, even a little bit cheaper. Um, but if I can get if if I can't go a little more expensive, I I don't mind going a little bit cheaper there. I don't like the six million midfield uh, bracket. Other than Foden. Other than Foden at six five, right? Six, yeah. Six, no. Yeah, six point six. Yeah, I think um, it's a no for me. He's a really good player on like it's like we said, like arguably the worst or second worst team in the league and. That's just not where you want to be. It's kind of like it's it's like Pookie last year. He's a good player on a bad team. Um, just it's not worth it. You can get, you can get Grealish on a much better Villa. And Villa are not going to be. I don't think they're going to be flirting with relegation this year. They're going to be a much better team than West Brom. And just a little bit more money, you can get you know Grealish. I think Villa are a tough defensive matchup. I think we need to start accepting that that it's not an easy matchup defensively anymore. Yeah. Uh, Mason Mount, with all the new blood at um, Chelsea, you still have Mason Mount. Is he going to tick on? And do you want him in your team at 6-9? Feels like chasing points. Feels like chasing starts for, for Mason Mount. I think his starts will, will be limited. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of laughable yeah. that people are considering him, honestly. <laughs> I don't even think he's – I mean, he's just – he's just not a great player, and he's not going to be starting once Ziyech is in the team. And – that's as simple as that. Mm. Um, Helder Costa made the move over to Leeds. Do we like him? Two goals and an assist on the season. Spot. No, that's not his, that's not his game. His his stats don't back it up. Um, there were some fun goals though. I like the what, kid. What about his playing partner? Uh, is it Mateus Klich? Click 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 click. Yeah. I know. Um, I mean, he's good for pens. If uh. <laughs> you know that, that's worth something good for pens i think good for pens. It, it, you, if you if you bring him into your team don't do it for fixtures don't do it for don't do it for a good run don't do it for just if you're going to bring him in you just start him every week because it's you're not going to be able to guess when they get a penalty and i think that's it's kind of like he's not he doesn't play deep obviously like um Milivojevic but he's kind of like Milivojevic where you just you plug him in and you don't care if they're playing Leicester or Liverpool or West Brom it doesn't really have any very very you know any bearing on whether he's going to score so 
I, I, I've got Laporte down, but let's just drop that to any Man City defender. Does it does it matter where Ruben Diaz comes in? Five five as opposed to six. No Man City def- defender on, until the center backs get there. It, it's a it's a very much a wait and see for me too. Yeah. It's not, wait wait until Laporte is playing regularly. Wait until the new guy comes in and plays regularly. I mean, Laporte's the same price as Foden, right? Uh, six versus six point five. Oh, six. Yeah, okay. Laporte is actually you know, he's an okay price at six. Yeah. I, I think he'll be someone that I bring into my team at some point, but not in the foreseeable future. Maybe, right. maybe come the holiday. January. Yeah. All right, let's uh, shift over to Arsenal. What about Gabriel? Yeah. Yeah. Good player. Um, great name. It's great name. I mean. He sounds really handsome, and you know, <laughs> um, no, but I, I, I think I would say yes, amazing start. Uh, but now, now we have to see. We have to see how David Luis gets incorporated in that back line. If Tierney moves up, um, and then what happens to Maitland Niles? Will Maitland Niles be sold maybe before the transfer window? We don't know. So I think, I think, uh, wait and see. Yeah, I think I think I might have an Arsenal defender at some point this year, which is weird to say, but I have one now. I started with one. Yeah, the, well, the, the the stats the stats back it up. I mean, they're just sent really since the restart. They've been conceding fewer big chances, fewer shots. I think they're just. A, I think they're going to be solid. And I think at five million, that's value. Um, I'm not. I don't know if I'm going to have them right now, but I mean, yeah, it's a it's a perpetual watch list sort of thing with Arsenal defense. All right. Do we trust Luca Digne enough to pick him at six one for a starting defender with Jordan Pickford still in goal? You know, this one's for you, Case. You got to roll. Get this one rolling. You mean little T Rex hand arms, Jordan Pickford? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's tough. <laughs> it, you look at him and you think, if he was a six million midfielder, would he be in my team? Because he is in so much space on the left hand side, and he is so attacking, and he splits corner duties, and he's on direct free kicks. Um. I think he. I think you could make the argument to have him in your team, but I, you know, you could probably go for five million and get similar value. Um, well, that's Seamus Coleman right there. Not that yeah. you want Seamus Coleman because he doesn't take corners or maybe, maybe Michael Keane. Maybe Michael Keane's the guy. I don't know. He can't stop scoring. <laughs> Keane is the guy. I'm telling you. If you want an Everton defender, well, if you want the most attacking Everton defender, um, you know, go go with Keane. <laughs> yeah, it's, going it's so weird. I I don't know. I'm I'm not gonna be. I'm not interested in investing in our defense because they already give me enough acid reflux. <laughs> and our our final defender here, and we we sort of spoke about Villa already. Tyrone Mings, second highest uh, scoring defender, 22 points, a goal, two cleans, and uh, one assist through uh, two games for uh, Villa. Do we like him at uh, five million? Or would you go Kanza at 4.5, a point less? Or Martinez, the goalkeeper, yeah. I think. Is yeah. That's yeah. where I was going to go next, with Martinez. Yeah. 
I think you want a piece of that defense. I don't think you want to get the most expensive defender on that defense, though. All right, let. You have any last? No, no, I, 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 I agree. I, I do like Mings, though. I think, I think, see, I see development in Mings, and and again, he's going to be a, you know, a target on set pieces. So I, I think Mings is it could be interesting, um, but again, someone to keep an eye on. All right, we got four left here. Uh, Gaita at Palace. Do we like him at five million? Palace rolling into a little bit of a purple patch here real soon. Do we like Gaita at five million, or are there better options? I think. There are better options currently, uh, but I do like do like what um, I do like him maybe down the road. Um, let's see. Well, Palace. Oh wait, no, Palace's fixtures get pretty easy here for a while, don't they? Yeah, break through thirteen. Yeah, so I mean, if someone, yeah, if you're hitting wild card in the next between now and the next like four weeks, I think Guaita is a is is a consideration. Yeah. I like them. Uh, yeah, I mean, they have a four million starting left back until PVA is back, and their first choice right back is also priced at four million, but he's injured right now. It's I don't know. Do you pay one million more for the goalkeeper than their cheapest starting defender? That seems like I don't know, superfluous. I don't I don't know. It, it's he's a great goalkeeper, and they're a good defense. So I mean, if you compare him versus other. D- goalkeepers in the five million bracket he's probably the best one um but so, compared to martinez for example i think they're yeah, similar picks for 0.5 million the fact that you can get into that palace defense for four million yeah yeah probably not yeah. so carl darlow five million he made 11 saves against totten three points somewhat surprising to be honest with you but um do we like darlow again newcastle uh, their defense can be hit and miss, but again, much like Palace coming out of the break, they're rolling into some some good fixtures here through uh, game week 14 after they face United in five. Um, do we like Darlow or is five million too much to pay for a, a Newcastle defensive player? I, I, yeah, I won't be playing paying five million. I mean, I will if. Guaita at five million is is a decent option, but you could do better given the other options and everything at, at Palace. I'm not going to pay five million for a Newcastle um, a goalkeeper. Newcastle has the the third highest xG conceded, um, so it's a it's a hard pass for me on on Darlow. But it was fun watching him make all those saves the other day. He was he was awesome. It's really funny that he's priced five million and he hasn't played in three years. Yeah. <laughs> And our final one, who is probably supposed to be the best keeper this year, but has started just a bit flat, uh, Nick Pope, 5-5, five, five, and he's got three points to show through two weeks. That's probably the best thing. That's probably the best thing that could have happened to people is that he was priced at 5-5, five, five, so they wouldn't fall in that trap. Yeah, I think a lot of people would have grabbed him at $5 million and then been yeah. really bad. But, I mean, Tarkowski's back – back from his mysterious toe, toe injury or whatever that he's had because he's not going to get a move to Leicester now. Um, so they're going to be better in defense for sure, but 5-5, five, five is that's that's silly money to pay for a goalkeeper who, you know, most of the goalkeepers are going to be within 15 points of one another at the end of the season. So pay 4-5 pay and move on. Okay, well, 
that's all the questions we have. That's our topics. We're in and out in just about an hour and five minutes, which I think is a record for us. Wow. I mean, wow. we can sit here and go on for two hours easy, but uh, life being as it is, we've got things to do as <laughs> responsible older people. What's, what's one transfer you hope happens between now and Monday? Mm. Mm. I do Good want to. I do want to see Brewster go to Sheffield United. That's mine. Hmm. I. I don't know. I. I. I don't really care. <laughs> Any transfers? I. I honestly. I, I'm thinking. I. I hope Madrid. Uh, don't do anything stupid. I hope they don't buy anyone. But it's just not. Not relevant for FPL. Um. I like what they're doing, saving money and maybe like. You know, uh, putting it away for uh, a rainy Mbappe day next year. Um, that's what I'm. That, that's where my transfer mind is at right now. I would like to see Henderson get some starts though. For United. Yeah, uh, yeah. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great if they sold De Gea and all of a yeah. sudden Henderson was? Yeah, that would be. That would be fun. Oh, here, here's so Raúl de Tomás is the striker at Espanyol. And this guy is awesome. If um, <clears throat> Barcelona wanted him last season, there's rumors that they want him again this season. But if a, if a Premier League club that needs a striker that's a decent Premier League club, um, that would be a really interesting buy. And he would probably come in, like many Spanish players, a little bit undervalued. No one's ever heard of him. He's coming from the, a relegated side. So he could come in at 5-5. Five, five. Um, I think that would be a very interesting one. What about our favorite Raul, Raul Jimenez? What what about what if City went in for him? A lot of people have been rumbling about this. I don't know if it's. I don't think it's going to happen. But no. how how good would that be? How how good would City be if Raul Jimenez was their number nine and they didn't have to rely on Aguero playing all those minutes? I mean, if if you if you could guarantee starts, it would be silly. Because yeah. his, his service would imagine, be so perfect. Imagine if KDB could put crosses into the box, and there wasn't someone who was, if there was someone taller than five foot four trying to get onto the end uh-huh. of it. Be amazing. <laughs> so, right, for Everton, I hope they, I hope they take Ishmael Yassar from Watford. Mm. That's been always been my dream. I think he's yet to feature. Hopefully, I don't know. Well, I heard, I heard that uh, Villa. Had a bid accepted for him. That's rumor, but I don't think that would happen. But you never know. Or you know, maybe a loan or something like that. Now, we have not conceded in three games, two wins and a draw. We're back in the Premier League. You guys are coming back up next year. There you go. Just book it right now. It's it's the undefeated season. That's it. It's going to (laughs) happen. Any final comments before you get out of here, Casey? Um, go ahead, Casey. Go ahead. No, Casey first. Just, just stay well, everybody. Just make it through this week. Have fun watching the games this weekend. Enjoy the fall weather. Hug your family. Yeah. And captain. Um, yeah, I mean, captain maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe get some captain points. That one's, that one's on my to-do list. I don't know if it'll ever happen. but <laughs> I'm going to tell everybody that Robertson is a better pick than Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, even at the, if they were the same price, he'd be better. He was definitely has better stats than him, although that was mostly in the first two matches when Trent was getting his first two match minutes uh, since, like, 
the restart. So that's, that's Trent was better in the third match. I think he's kind of finally finding his fitness. So we'll was see he? how that goes forward. But Robertson yeah. is a whole different beast this year. He's on half of the half of the corner kicks, and mm-hmm. he's in the box all the time. And Tiago is going to make him just so much better because he can just play left wing now. Yep. He's uh, and he's at what is he? Thirteen percent ownership. He's he he will be in my wild card when, when if and when I do it. I will double with him and Trent. I'll find a way to do it. I think. Yeah. I'll, next week I'll be going Begetting to uh to Robo. That's my transfer for next week. So. Yeah. Stay healthy over the break then. Uh, and yeah, no no need yeah. to play for Scotland there, bud. <laughs> right. I've come full circle on Richarlison. I finally accept him as a, a member of Everton. Although I don't like the bleach hair, but that's something I can overlook. I still think he's going to have an excellent season and probably have had the best season so far he's had in the Premier League, which is 13 and 5, which he posted last year. So uh, I'm all in on Richarlison. You see, Neymar Neymar presented him with the player of the season for Everton uh, last week. He got Neymar to. (laughs) Because. Hello, Barcelona. Uh-huh. They're, they're, they're buddies, so. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. That, maybe there's the transfer that we want. Neymar to Everton. Yeah, Neymar. <laughs> Appreciate the time. I'm uh, glad we could get together again uh, here on the FPL Roundtable for a little bit of uh, conversation going around the league. Nothing too serious, but some good takes, I think, overall. So uh, you guys have a good week, and uh, we'll see you hopefully after game week four. All right. Bye, everyone. Great seeing you. That's it for episode 62. Thanks for listening. I want to thank Casey and Gabe for taking the time out of their afternoon to join in on the FPO Roundtable this week. If you had a red arrow, hopefully you can rebound this week ahead of the first international break. All episodes of Pitch and Pint are available at sixthgoal.com. You can also find them on SoundCloud and Apple with all the other quality podcasts out there. Hopefully you'll continue to support the show. If you like what you hear, tell your friends. If you don't, please tell me. Follow me on Twitter at SixGoal, providing FPL opinions as well as craft beer content posted using the hashtag 30SecondBeerReview. For all my weekly FPL content, head over to SixGoal.com as I always have something to say. Thanks for listening to the Pitch and Pine Podcast, FPL from Inside the Six.